up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I am your host, Matt Jones. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at MattJonesTFR. And real quick before we get started, I want to remind you guys that Bet Online is uh, presenting the podcast this week. Uh, bet Online is the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. We got, what, March Madness. We got the Masters. We have opening day for baseball, if you're into that. Uh, coming right up, and Bet Online has all the news, scores, odds to help you get on the board and make some money. The best part is you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. If you head over to betonline.ag, use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your actual literal free money. Signing up is a great way to support this show as well as all the other shows on the Road of His Network. And the Bet Online site is uh, is something that I actually use. We, uh, my buddies and I, always do Super Bowl props, and we have had some trouble in the past trying to, uh, you know, deposit quickly, withdraw, and get all our, get all of our money back out after we hit, you know, orange for for Gatorade or whatever whatever prop bet we decided to degen on. Uh, for that particular Super Bowl. We set it up this year with betonline.ag. We deposited on like Thursday before the Super Bowl, got the uh, got our winnings out by Wednesday after the Super Bowl. So uh, it's definitely something that I actually use. Again, you can get the uh, promo code, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. All right. So now that we got a little bit of the housekeeping out of the way, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to last week. Uh, we unfortunately couldn't get any, uh, any shows up last week. I was in the Poconos at an Airbnb, and the, uh, the Wi-Fi was less than cooperative, we'll say. Uh, so unfortunately, the, <laughs> the solo pod just lives on my computer from last week, and we didn't even attempt the, uh, the slate breakdown. Um, it was a, it was a week, a bit of a rough week in general, um, depending on who you were on. I thought that there were a lot of good game theory plays that could be made. And, um, definitely, uh, this format of the WGC with 70 golfers and, uh, and no cut is not one of my favorite things to play. Uh, I think that it takes a lot of the skill out of it. Because obviously you're just, you know, you can you can have a guy who shoots, uh, you know, poorly the first couple of days, puts together a 62 or a 63 on Saturday, and all of a sudden this guy is back into it when you, you know, typically would have already been on your way home and packed up by then. So uh, not always my favorite week. I think there's some strategy involved in no cut events. Um, I think it, it should be more game theory driven even than a regular week, but, uh, definitely, definitely not my favorite. And my, uh, my results from last week definitely reflected that fact. Um, Patrick, we, Pat, <laughs> I can speak Patrick Reed, of course, won the event, uh, finished at 18 under played really well, shot low on Friday, and then was nice and consistent, uh, on the weekend and uh and got got to uh got to hoist the trophy amid all of this just 
the cheating allegations and everything else. Peter Costas was on No Laying Up talking about how he's seen uh, Reed cheat multiple times. And even in this tournament, it wasn't without controversy. We saw just an, an absurd ruling that allowed him, allowed Reed to get a drop uh, during the week that ended up literally being the difference because uh, he ended up beating Reed, uh, beating DeChambeau just by one stroke. So, um, you know, you think about all the things that happened during a golf tournament, uh, a ruling like that definitely can and did swing uh, what ended up being the result. So kind of a bummer for uh, DeChambeau backers came in second, played really well. Um, had a had a shaky Saturday, but uh, a couple of rounds at 65 and below, he he putted like crazy the first couple of days, uh, and then he he just sort of coasted through the weekend and got close, but finished a little short. Um, as you keep going through the leaderboard, it's a it's a ton of familiar faces. Obviously, in these WGCs, you have Ramit, third place, Rory, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Eric Van Royen is a guy who is uh, sort of popular, maybe a little bit of a, a DFS darling, and uh, played really well, finished tied for third with Rom this week. Um, Justin Thomas was up there. Paul Casey was just outside the top 10. Uh, Hideki was up there, too, in the uh, a tie for sixth. So just really a, a ton of guys who were used to rostering doing well. Um, that's, that's just kind of what the WGC provides every time we watch. Not uh, again, not my favorite format, but I am, uh, I'm glad we are heading to the Honda this week because there will be real carnage. There will not be a winner at 18 under par this week. Um, so looking forward to that pretty, uh, pretty soon before we get into that though. The cash lock review. Tommy Fleetwood at 9,200 was uh, paid off pretty well. He was just kind of like blah. Like he he didn't have that round where you're like, wow, like he he hit his his ceiling and scored a bunch of DraftKings points. Uh, he ended up finishing with 77 DraftKings points for the week. He was tied for 18th for the tournament. Um, but like I said, he just, he couldn't really, couldn't really string it all together at once. He did have the 16th most birdies of the week, but he was outside the top 25 in every strokes gain category besides off the tee. So, uh, definitely not the, the ceiling outcome that we were hoping for. He was 9,200, uh, like I may have mentioned. So decent, nothing great, nothing amazing. Um, He's the most expensive golfer this week, so we will definitely uh, definitely be talking about him tomorrow with Evan when we're back for the uh, slate breakdown. The second catch lock of the week was Carlos Ortiz at 6,600. He, uh, he, it looked like it was just going to be a complete disaster after Thursday. He shot a 75. He had, I think, three bogeys and a triple bogey on his card on Thursday. Um, but he settled down after the first round and played well over the last 54 holes. He had an eagle and 14 birdies uh, across the last three rounds. So uh, he picked it up a bit 
he finished the week in the top 16 for approach and around the green and uh and still came in in the uh in the top 15 with or 16 with uh with a pretty a pretty bad putter so 6600 getting almost 80 DraftKings points out of him at that price is certainly something that we would take uh pretty frequently so just to update you on the cash lock so far this year we have a uh 10 10 out of 12 for made cuts uh we have 9 out of 16 finishing in the top 25 and then a couple of top 10 finishes so looking to looking to get a little bit more towards that uh that high end those ceiling performances um but you know if you're if you're locking in these guys for your cash lineup and they're both making the cut you should be in pretty decent shape the average price is 8300 which uh of course means that it's the average price for every spot on your roster you're not you're not really spending any extra money uh picking the guys that I mention each week and they're averaging just over 70 DraftKings points for the for the year so not bad uh we will uh, we'll hopefully hit on some top five finishers and some winners coming up here soon. Um, as far as the the single entry lineup review goes, the uh, same deal as usual. I've ran the optimizer with the cash locks in there. Rory was um, just basically breaking the power ranking model once again. He ended up finishing fifth with. Just over 100 DraftKings points. He hit 75% of his greens in regulation for the week. He was all four. He got the all four rounds under 70 bonus. So just a really, really solid outing. He was the most expensive guy. He was super owned in the listener league at 35%. Um, but obviously, if you if you played him, that that didn't hurt you too much. Um, depending on who you got down at the low end. Um, Mark Leishman uh, was the next guy that I uh, threw in the lineup. He finished T42. He, again, just another guy who really just couldn't get putts to fall. He he just didn't, never really got anything going. He only had one round under 70. Um, and just a, a few costly bogeys that hurt him. Uh, and he just, he never got it, never got it together. So. Uh, Leishman was pretty disappointing as was Corey Connors. The, uh, he started off great Connors. He opened with a 68. He was towards the top of the leaderboard because of that. And then he just sort of cooled off and literally got worse each day. Um, on Sunday, he shot a 75 to drop way down into 50th place, which obviously in a field of 70, isn't going to do much for you. So, um, a little bit disappointing for Connors. The uh, the other plays in the lineup were the other play in the lineup, I should say, was Sebastian Munoz. He finished T fourteen, uh, stroke ahead of Carlos Ortiz. He was another cheap guy who uh, got pretty popular. He really could have even done a little bit better, but he had a few double bogeys um, and. Uh, but made up for it a little bit with a couple of birdie streaks and finished with 91 DraftKings points. So uh, a guy who um, provided a pretty decent amount of upside considering his price 
uh, and hopefully you got him in a bunch of your lineups. He was 22% or so in the listener league. I think that's probably a little bit higher than most of the bigger contests, but he was definitely a popular guy um, for, for the week. Moving on into our, uh, our preview for this week, it's obviously uh, the Honda Classic, like I mentioned earlier. It's at PJ Na- PGA National, a champion course down there. Um, a course that has uh, a pretty big, uh, pretty big reputation for being a lot more difficult than the traditional course that we see on uh, the PGA Tour. It's it's well uh, that reputation is well earned. We've seen over the past few years. Um, mostly scores in the single digits under par. No, there's not going to be an 18 under winner here unless somebody just goes completely supernova on the course, which I I don't think would, I don't even think that's really in play. Um, As far as difficulty goes, the top 25 at this uh, course average a a little bit over 71 DraftKings points uh, for the tournament. That is the 11th uh, lowest score out of the 96 courses in my database uh, for, I guess, the past like 15 years or so. Um, so not, not a lot of scoring. And the, if you take a look at, uh, at the guys who missed the cut, it's, it's pretty bad. Only 20 uh, DraftKings points for those guys when you compare that to a place like, uh, you know, some of these, some of these more, uh, these higher scoring tracks, like, I don't know, the stadium course, you know, La Quinta, those, those courses that we, that we just saw recently, you're talking about even guys who missed the cut, um, you know, scoring about 15 or so DraftKings points per round. So, um, definitely going to be lower scores. So you definitely want to be rostering guys who are uh, hopefully going to make the cut. Obviously that goes without saying. Um, But I think that I think chasing upside is a little bit detrimental this week compared to other weeks. I think it's much more important to find some of these guys who aren't going to make doubles and triples and are going to be able to club down and play pretty well. So, um, that's sort of the general overview for the course. When we take a look at the, at the power ranking model for this week, it's a bit, um, I don't know. It's a bit all over the place, to be honest. The, you have some guys who you, uh, you definitely understand being towards the top. And then you have some guys who you can, you sort of can be a little bit more unsure of, um, Tommy Fleetwood is the most expensive golfer in the field this week. He is a guy who, um, you know, like we said before, has has a ton of upside, but he has been known to make a, a mistake here and there. Um, Billy Horschel at 9,200 is up in the top five of the power ranking model too. He's played, uh, he's been playing pretty well recently. He's a guy who we've seen get streaky and you know, get hot, but he also can fizzle out just as fast. So, uh, definitely, definitely somebody to keep an eye on and to consider, but I'm, uh, 
I'm a little hesitant. He's a bit like a like a wide res- a deep threat wide receiver that can absolutely go off, but at the same time, you also have to worry about a little bit of a dud. Over the past uh, two over his past two starts, he has a couple of top tens, but before that, it was 68th, a couple of missed cuts, then another top 10, then a top 25, then he was 64. Like, he's just, he's always going to be all over the place. Um, potentially, it, this has clicked a little bit for him, and he can string a few of these performances together, but um, historically, he hasn't necessarily done that um, with any with any kind of consistency. So, um but again, popping in the power ranking model is always uh, is always better than not popping in the power ranking model. As far as the cheaper guys go, I think uh, Denny McCarthy at seventy one hundred is a guy who continues to pop in uh, most of the work that we've been doing, most of the tournaments that we've been playing recently. Seventy one hundred is reasonable for him. Joaquin Neiman at 8,700 is a guy who I'm always willing to play. I think that you could probably make a case that he should be more expensive than guys like Benny on, uh, than guys like Shane Lowry, uh, Louis Ustazen is up here. I, I think that he's in that tier and you're getting a, a pretty significant discount. So he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be targeting this week. I don't know. If he's he might be a little bit too expensive um, for cash lock consideration, but he will definitely be. Uh, I'll definitely have some heavy exposure to him this week. Um, as we keep as we keep looking through the rest of the power ranking model, a lot of the a lot of the familiar faces, the guys up at the top, obviously the Kepkas and Fowlers of the world, Gary Woodlands up there. They're always going to be uh, at or near the top. But um, Charles Howell III, I think, is another guy who is pretty interesting at 8,400. That 8K range is is pretty loaded, so I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those guys go under-owned. Obviously, make sure you are paying attention to the ownership projections that I have over at Rotoviz uh, so that you can see where there's going to be some leverage as far as ownership goes. Um, but Grio off a good performance at basically the same price could take a little bit of ownership. Uh, EVR at a really good price that uh, he's coming off. Eric Van Royen is coming off a good performance last week. So you're definitely looking at, um, at some guys who can soak up a little bit of ownership. And then you just have to figure out where you want to pivot to uh, from there. Zach Johnson at 6,900 is a little bit on the cheap side. Feels like feels like a cut made wouldn't be a, a completely out of the realm of possibility for him. Um, obviously, he's not like I don't know. He it, I'm trying to think of a of a nice way to put it. He hasn't been just uh, tearing the cover off the ball recently. He seems to have lost a little bit on his approach and his short game has struggled a bit, but, um, at 6,900, I could see, see a case for taking a flyer on him. Tom Hoagie at the same price is another guy who I think, uh, could be pretty interesting as well, but we'll definitely get more into 
the plays, uh, the ownership projections, how the model looks uh, tomorrow when we get going with Evan again this, uh, this coming week. So uh, other than that, we will talk tomorrow, and good luck. See you.